So when setting up a putting together a piece of furniture or a piece of, uh, say, from Ikea, I want to, by a show of hands, how many people are like me and you get the instructions and the first thing you do is do that? Show of hands. Show of hands. Come on. Let me be honest. Be honest. We got one, two. Come on. There's more people like me. Okay. Three, four. Okay. So that is me 100%. What I do, I first get something and my wife is the complete opposite. The first thing she does is like read like the copyright information at the beginning. She's like so thorough, and I am so not thorough. I'm just like, all right, I'll figure it out as we go. And here is what usually happens. I'm like trying to, trying to put something together for my key, and there's all these instructions. I'm like, dude, I can just figure it out. I am a pretty smart guy, right? I'm like, I'm pretty confident in myself. I, was, I don't need any instructions telling me what to do. And so what I do is I just grab something, and it's like, this looks like it goes here, this looks like it goes here, and then at the end, up, I, at the end of it, I have something, and, I'm, and my wife walks in, and she's like, oh, great job, you made, that's a, that's a beautiful looking birdhouse. I'm like, it's supposed to be a bookshelf. Way off. Like, that, that's what happens when we try, try to do things without the instructions. And so what we need to do is grab these things, read them, because they are beneficial for our life. They're beneficial for the project we're setting out to do. And here's what I look at. We're concluding the book of Colossians today. It's been such an amazing series. And the conclusion of this, I believe he gives some practical instructions in two major areas of our life. He gives practical instructions in how we honor God in our families and in our workplaces. And I feel like we do this so bad with relationships. In our families, and our, in our workplaces, man, what we do is we toss the instructions and we just say, hey, I'll figure it out. Like how I do marriage, how I parent, how I operate in my, in my workplace, I'll figure it out. Like we're just like me, we're just like, whew, just toss, that, toss the instructions and figure it out on our own. Well, I believe what happens when, when that, that comes about, when we toss the instructions, what happens is we cause damage. We make it look like a birdhouse and not a bookshelf. See, God has a design for it, and he gives instructions to it. And so I believe so many of us have never had anything modeled to us in a healthy way. I know, I know for, for me, growing up, I was thinking, what does a healthy marriage look like? I didn't necessarily have that for a good portion of my childhood to, to look up to. What does that look like? I didn't have a good, some of us have been in awful workplace environments where all we see is the negative. And we're like, what does a healthy workplace environment look like? And we haven't seen what it looks like to honor God in our workplace. And Paul comes down to this and he says, hey, look, in this culture, you've seen it this way. But since you know Jesus, he's making an assumption. He says, since you know Jesus, since you are serving Jesus, it looks a little different. So he says, this is, this is going to be a little different than what you are used to. And so I believe there are a lot of us that we started following Jesus and the, our families and our workplace relationships look exactly the same. And Paul's saying, hey, look, it's supposed to be different. You're supposed to honor God. You're supposed to love people more than you love what you're, try, than what you're trying to accomplish. He's saying, look, these are things that you're he's giving instructions. And so I feel like a lot of us are in this boat where we're like, okay, I've just been trying to figure it out with no instructions, and we failed. If we're, if we're doing an honest evaluation, it's like, man, I've failed in this area. I don't know how to, to really honor God in my marriage. I don't know how to honor God in my parenting, or I don't know how to honor God in my workplace environment, to my boss, to my coworkers, or to those you lead. 
as a supervisor in some, some scenarios that we may find ourselves in. And I believe Paul, man, I love this because he's so practical. It brings it in. Not only can we da- avoid the damage of relationships. Now, I'm, so like this message isn't just like, hey, don't screw it up. Like this is, that's not the point of this message. The opportunity is greater than the opportunity to fail. Because he's saying, look, don't just worry about how not to screw it up. But in the biggest areas of our lives, I would say, are represented by our family and our workplace. I would say for the majority of us, the, the, time, the time we spend with those two areas, our family and our workplace, is greater than any other area of our lives. We spend the most amount of time with people in our family and people in our workplace. And so that is a huge opportunity that we need to show the love of God, that we need to honor God in these areas. And so Paul gets very practical at the end of this chapter, and I just want us to, to see that honoring God, here's the main thing, honoring God in our families and workplaces comes from seeing things the way God sees things. See, we see things from here, from just the down, but God has the overview. He sees much bigger, and he has a different way. And if we understand the way God sees these relationships, man, God could be honored. People can see the love of Jesus through you, and you can make a greater impact. And overall, you will be better. You will love your, those relationships. You will honor God, and doing it God's way is way better than our way. We're not building a birdhouse when we're trying to build a, uh, a bookshelf. Like, it doesn't, we screw it up, but when we do it God's way, Man, we'll see a beautiful, beautiful thing take place. So um, here's the context of this passage. Uh, it's in, we're doing chapters three in the first part of four today. And basically the context is he's reading, reaching uh, uh, through, via um, Epaphras, this guy he knew, he's sending this letter and he's to this new church, this church that is like new Christians. They've never known who Jesus is and now they know Jesus, they believe in him and they're following him and there's instruction on what to do. Now, the first two chapters were very doctrinal. They were like focused on, man, Jesus is the, the above all. He was saying, look, the, the things, other we used to worship other gods. He said, no, Jesus is above all. And he's giving some practical doctrine um, or some theological information and then, and not so practical. And then he gets very practical and he says, look, these are how these relationships are supposed to look like. And, and I believe in, in, the, in the culture here, it was a very authoritarian Roman culture. There was very domineering that the, that the head of the household was in charge and dominated. What he said goes. What he said is the way, and he would, even, he would have that authority that was, that was not biblical, that was stretched out of proportion. And so Paul was addressing this and saying, you need to change the way you see others. And he is correcting and clarifying their roles and priorities in their relationships. So I want to just read this scripture, and um, again, this has been so powerful because every week uh, we're just looking at scripture, and I know a lot of us are reading through the book of Colossians, have been doing this, and saying, man, what's going to happen this week? And we're getting it out for ourselves, because that's what I'm doing as well, is reading through and asking God to speak to us um, through his word. So uh, we're going to start in Colossians chapter 3. If you have your Version Bible app, you can follow along. If you have your paper uh, Bible, you can follow along. And on the Version app, there's actually an area where you can see our notes if you go to events. And, um, and you can follow along with some of the notes with this message. But uh, let's jump in in verse 18. It says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. We dismiss the youth, but we need to like remind them of that. Children, 
Obey. Like, that's, how hard is that? In everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they be discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Will you pray for me that God would speak to us from his word? Jesus, speak to us. We know you hold all power. And we just want to, and you want to speak to us. So I pray that we would just be open to that. I pray I would be open to that and that I would simply be a vessel for you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk to you about how to do this. And like just looking at that passage there, I prayed about it this week and I was like, what does God want to say? What is highlighting? And there's a lot of things in there uh, because that's a big portion of scripture he talks about. So I'm not able to hit on every single part of this scripture. But what I do, going with this theme of how to honor God in our families and our workplaces, I notice a few things that just stand out. And this is overall, honoring God in our families and workplaces comes from seeing the way God sees things. So I want to share you three things that are so important for us to understand. And the first thing is, I'm just going to jump right in. And this was the most difficult thing for me. The first thing that we need to understand in our families and our workplace relationships is understand your priorities. Now, how I arrived at that idea is a little different. It's not as clear. But let me share with you how I arrived at that. The biggest, the most, I mean, I was stressing about this message for this reason is because it talks about slavery in this passage. Now, I want to say, first of all, that God is not okay with slavery. God does not condone slavery. But in this scripture, I struggle with it. And I've, for, for a long time, over years, I've struggled with this passage because Paul is giving instructions on masters and bondservants or slaves. And I was in the longest time I'm reading this passage. And sometimes you read a passage and you're not okay with it. Sometimes you read scripture and it's not just, oh, that's nice. Sometimes you read a passage of scripture and it rubs you the wrong way and you don't like it. And that's good. You shouldn't love everything you read. Some of the things you read in the Bible are going to rub you the wrong way. But here's what I want to encourage you is keep asking those questions. Because I was asking the question, why would God speak through Paul and address this issue of slavery without condemning it, without saying, without, why didn't God tell Paul to write to slavery and to, to, or to write about slavery and says, hey, those of you who are in slavery, those of you who are slave owners, you need to knock it off. Like, why didn't, why didn't he say that? And I kept asking that question. I said, why doesn't God speak through Paul and say, condemn slavery, rather than saying, okay, this is how slavery is and here's how you should operate in it. Well, the, the hard thing about Scripture is we're 
2,000 years removed from this portion of Scripture and 2,000 years different context. So the most challenging thing with every passage of Scripture is understanding the context. And let me take you there a little bit in understanding this context of slavery. Slavery was predominant way of the, of the system. It was the political system that the majority of people owned slaves or, and, or were slaves. It was an operating system. It was a, a political system that was existing. And a lot of the people he was writing to were slaves. A lot of the Christians were slaves. And it wasn't necessarily looked down on. It was sometimes looked to as a job. Now, I know some pastors have said, look, this isn't actually slavery. It's, it's the modern day version of just a boss and an employer, an employee, an employer and an employee. Like that's what it's saying, masters and bond servants, uh, employer, employee. Now that is true to some degree, but there was some very unfair, some slave owners, some things that God, was, that God is not okay with, which is slavery, that God is not okay with that, and I'm not okay with it. So again, I had that struggle. Why does, why does he address it and not condemn it? And so what it come down to, I'm realizing the culture more and more, is that it was so predominant that if Paul would have wrote those words I said, and he said, hey, you guys who are slave owners, knock it off. You guys who are slaves, man, bust free from that. Break the shackles, man, in Jesus' name, you are set free. There is no condemnation with Christ. You are free. And, you know, try to address that. The reality was there was no way that that group of people could change an entire, entire massive political system. It's just not realistic. In, in my study, I've realized that it's just, that's just not the way it, way it happened. And what Paul was saying with the bigger, bigger picture was, he says, it's not the, he's saying it's not prioritizing correcting people. See, that was wrong. He, he, Paul knew it. Paul knew that was wrong. But he was saying something big by what he didn't say. And that's what I'm realizing. I'm asking the question, why didn't he condemn it? Why didn't he condemn it? But, well, there's something big about the fact that he didn't condemn it. And here's what it is. It's saying that your priority is to love people, not correct people. See, he had the chance to say, hey, you're wrong. This is wrong. Don't do this. Don't do this. But first, he's addressing and he says, no, this is what you need to do first. You need to love. You need to treat fairly. You need to honor God in your families and your workplaces before you condemn people. Now, here's, here's an example. I want to share this powerful story that happened with me several years ago when I used to drive for a lift a lot and I would pick people up from the bars and the clubs and I would drive them around and, uh, and it was a great environment because I never really knew that environment and it got to let me know what the people I want in our church to be here. I want people from all walks of life, every age, every stage, every history that they've been, you are welcome at Project Church and I loved it because I got to know, be around people I would never normally be around. And I picked an individual up and um, outside of a gay bar, and him and his boyfriend got in. And it was just a short ride across the grid in downtown. And um, I had just had a great conversation with him. He was such a nice guy. And um, at, towards the end of the ride, uh, as it often came up, he said, hey, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a pastor at a church. And right when he heard those words, something clicked with him, and he said, oh, and he said these words, I'll never forget, that hurt me so bad. He said, I get it. I get it. I'm, you're a pastor. I'm a homosexual. And he said, I get it. And he actually shared, the, shared with me that his dad was a pastor. And I just sensed 
all that he heard was condemnation. I, I sensed that all he was receiving from Christians, anybody, anybody who, who loved Jesus, all he was hearing was correction in his life. All he was hearing was, was you need to change. You need to change. You need to stop. You need to correct this in your life. And I felt this conviction come over me. And I've, after he shared those words of, oh, I get it. I felt so convicted and I looked at him and I said, I have one thing to tell you. I love you. I said, I love you. And he looked at me and he was so confused by that. He was, he was perplexed. He didn't really know how to respond. And he said, wow, thank you. And he, walked, he got out of the car a little dumbfounded on the fact that I, didn't, that I said that because that wasn't the norm. He was used to hearing someone that loves that that is a follower of Christ. All they do is the priority is correction. Their priority is saying, "Well, you need to change." But we need to change. And what Paul is saying by saying, "Hey, he's not correcting the system in place, but first he's instructing us to love." And I want to tell you that your calling, your priority, you need to understand the priority is to love, not correct. See, so many of us have it our mind the wrong way. We want to correct our wife before we love our wife. We want to correct our husband so much rather than just simply loving our husband. We want to correct our children, which there is a calling for that, which there's instruction, instructing needed from being parents, but we're not prioritizing loving our children. And we need to prioritize love over change. Some of us need to love, this is going to be challenging, some of you don't want to hear this, you need to love your boss more than you need to change your boss and try to bring correction to your boss. I mean, like, I'm quitting. If Jesus wants me to, if Jesus wants me to love that dude, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go do something else. I'm out. But our calling, he's prioritizing. He was saying, hey, before you try to correct people, why don't you show them love first? Why don't you prioritize love in the relationship? See, we try to, try to manipulate and we, say, we push our agendas on people before you realize God's agenda isn't change. God's agenda is love. So why don't we get on God's agenda and stop trying to say, hey, this person is doing this. This person needs to fix that about their life. And I'm preaching to myself right now and thinking, man, how about I just love that person instead of trying to fix their life when the reality is I got a whole lot of stuff I need to fix in my life. Our priority is love, not correction. And Paul highlights that by what he does not say in correcting the system. Your job isn't to change your husband. Change your wife. Nope. It's not to change your kids. It's not to change the people you work with. But how about honoring them? How about loving them? How about showing the love that God shows you in forgiveness and grace. How about you show grace, forgiveness, and love to your coworkers, to your family, and see what God does through that. Understand your priorities. The second thing is this, is understand your role. And if any job you're hired and you don't know your role, and you're going you're gonna to fail in it. If like you got hired uh, at an organization and say, man, you're hired, let's go. And you're like, what's my job? It's just like, don't worry about it, just show up and... Uh, and we'll get you going on Monday. You show up on Monday, and uh, you're, you're all ready to go. And you're like, okay, well, let's, what's, what's my job? It's like, well, just kind of just do some work. It's like, what? It's like, no, you need to understand your role in every scenario in your life, in every sphere of influence in your life. You need to understand your role. And that's what, Paul, that's what I love about Paul. He actually breaks it down really clearly 
in each one of these roles. He lists, okay, husbands, wives, fathers, children, masters, servants. And in this scenario, we can look at masters and servants as employers and employees. And, and because that was, uh, that was true in that culture to a degree, like I shared. It wasn't entirely just employer-employee. There was very uh, non-righteous uh, situations going with slavery, but we can, we can look at it in that context with correct, correct thinking. So Paul reshapes, the, first of all, the household around Jesus. He says, okay, you need to rule no longer with a domineering spirit, spirit, but with self-giving love. Now, this can be controversial too. I'm like diving into this and there's all, I'm like walking on a thin line in how I'm preparing this, but actually it's very simple. He starts off saying, wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? First off, I'm going to tell you what that doesn't mean because that could be very, that can be construed very easily. That misinterpreted, and husbands read that, be like, all right, submit. You, heard, you read the Bible, you heard the pastor. Let me tell you what it's not. Biblical submission is not agreeing on everything. Wives, that's not what the Bible calls you to do. It doesn't call you to, to lay your, your, your mind that God gave you on the altar of submission. He gave you a mind, and, he doesn't, and it does not tell you, number two, a lack of influence. That's not what biblical submission is. Biblical submission is not lacking the influence. Me and my wife are having a conversation right now since our daughter is going to kindergarten and about like what school to go to. And, and so we're in this conversation and we're realizing that it is not an, a submission thing where she's, she just says, well, I want, I, I want to go to this. I say that. And she's like, all right, I'm out. You said the Bible says I've got to submit, so whatever you do. No, we have a conversation about it and I'm listening to what she thinks and we're li- listening to each other and understanding each other. So the role is not of submission, is not agreeing on everything, lack of influence, or three, letting the husband's will be above that of Jesus' will. That's important. See, sometimes they may, your husband may be trying to do something that has his own agenda and not God's agenda. You need to understand that, that, that it's not submissive beyond God's, God's will. Number four is living or acting in fear. That's not biblical submission. So what is it? Uh, John Piper wrote this. Submission is the calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership. Isn't that powerful? Honor and affirm. It's not just laying down your rights. And you're holding up your husband. You're believing in your husband. You're encouraging your husband. You're your husband's biggest cheerleader and saying, I believe in your leadership. I believe you're called to to lead our family. I believe in you and I believe the gifts and I'm using my gifts to, to, to lead this family together and to help carry it through according to her gifts. That's what biblical submission looks like. And then husbands, see, sometimes people say a husband's got it easy, but actually husbands have the calling to love their wives as Christ loved the church. You know what Christ did for the church, right? Remember that story where he died on the cross? Yeah, you, you're loving your wife so far that you lay your life down for her. A self-giving love that Jesus had, you're supposed to model that. Husbands, you have a greater calling to love your spouse and sacrifice your your desires, your agenda, your needs, your wants and desires, and say, no, I'm putting others first. I'm putting my wife first. I'm giving sacrificial love to my wife. Children, obey your parents in everything. All right? Where's the kids at? This one, how old right here? No, three months. Listen up, all right? Obey. 
And this is the only commandment with a promise, to live a long life. So I'm just saying, if you want to live long, obey your parents. Parents, this is important. Do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. See, we're called to like come in and, and correct. But I believe there's, there's an important thing, that, the reason why Paul highlighted that, is we can, just because we're trying to, again, correct, we can do it in a way that prioritizes the correction over love, and we can cause some damage to them. Just because we want to fix some, some silly thing. Like, you're supposed to eat all your carrots? You better do it now! You know, and we, we rage out, and then we realize that that's actually causing damage more than it is causing help in them just eating their carrots, right? And, and I think we could all probably point back to a time where there was some hurt for you, from your parents because you realized they were provoking, they were causing them to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger, but obey, but, or let, the, let them be discouraged. And on the contrary, discouragement, other side of that is encouragement. How, how about more often you tell your kids what you're, they're not supposed to do? How about you instruct them what they are supposed to do and celebrate the things they are doing right? Man, I loved how you just got up and got your clothes on on your own. Man, I loved how you just cared for that kid and you were nice to your friend even though your friend was kind of being a jerk right there and you just loved them. And How about you celebrate what they're doing right and instruct them in what they're supposed to do rather than everything that comes to your, out of your mouth to your kids is, no, knock it off. And I realize that, hey, I'm there. But how about consciously think about encouraging them more than discouraging them, and loving them more than correcting them. So here's your, here's your homework, is have a conversation with your wife. Have a, have a conversation with your husband and the whole family. And ask yourself, well, okay, what is our roles? And, and read this passage and simply say, like, how are we doing in these roles? Last week I assigned some homework, and some of you guys are like, what is this church? I'm not, it's summer break, y'all. I don't got homework. But I believe there's something, sometimes I wonder how much is, is really changing if we just come here and get encouraged and then just drop it like that. What's, what's really taking place? But I challenge us to have those conversations in our families. Read this passage and say, how are we doing on this? How can, how can I improve? And see what God does. And then he continues on to saying, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart and fearing the Lord. And you're supposed to work as you're working for the Lord. And the masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you are also have a master in heaven. Which leads to the last point, is understand who you're serving. We need to understand our priorities, understand our role. But in everything, Scripture says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. So you're ultimately not serving your boss. You're not ultimately serving your husband, your wife, your kids. You are ultimately working for Jesus in everything that you do. Paul highlights that understanding, serving Christ, not people. See, you're, you're not, your master is not your boss. Your master is Jesus. And no matter what, and I think Paul's highlighting this, because when I was in a grocery store, and I, think, and I was working as a teenager, and I was like, sometimes like, man, I hate my boss. Man, he's the worst, dude. I, what am I, I don't need to mop this floor. I'm going to do a horrible job of mopping this floor. But then I read this verse and something clicked in it, clicked in my mind. I said, wow, I'm serving Christ in this. Nobody's watching. No one's going to know if I do a bad job or a good job, and, and no one's going to care. But then I read this passage, and I, and I realized, man, I'm mopping this floor for Jesus. I'm doing this not to serve my boss. I'm mopping this floor to serve my master, to serve my God, to serve Jesus Christ. We have to flip it in our minds 
to understand in everything you do, man, you are serving Christ. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to serve Christ in an honor and way that, that, that reflects the, what he's given me. What reflects the love that he's shown me and reflects in a way that I'm proud to say, God, I did this for you. And I believe this is a missed opportunity. A lot of Christians are at work saying, man, I'm, not, I'm just here to come in, come out, get a paycheck, come in and out. But what if we honored God and said, you know what, ask the question, if I'm serving God, what kind of job does he want me to do today? Does he want me to slack off? Does he want me to, to do the minimum? Does he want me to go above and beyond self-giving love, selflessly loving everybody around us, selflessly saying, I'm going to work for Jesus, I'm, whatever I'm doing. If I'm mopping floors, if I'm filing some TPS reports, I'm going to file those TPS reports for Jesus. And I'm going to love God with the way I serve. I'm going to parent, I'm going to, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, and you're just saying, I'm just going to simply love my kids I'm going to love, I'm going to parent as I'm sharing the love of Jesus, as I'm working for not for my any earthly master, but I'm working ultimately to serve Christ. You see, we need to understand our, our role, understand our priority, and we need to understand our, who we're serving is not earthly masters. We're serving Jesus in everything you do. In closing, in the last few verses of chapter 4, it just encourages us to pray, and to be gracious with speech. Amen. Pray for us. Pray, pray in all circumstances. Never stop praying. When you go into work, pray. When, you, when you're thinking about your family, pray for your family. Pray that you would be able to live these things out. So my question today in conclusion is just, are we honoring God? And I, I, I started out with that idea of like how, how to do this and how to actually follow this manual, these instructions that we've been giving and many of us are like myself with Ikea furniture and just toss those instructions out and say, I'll figure it out. And uh, for me, I just have to humble myself. And the thing about pride is that it's, it always is difficult to identify and is even more difficult to deal with. It's kind of painful. You're like, no, I, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm correct. I, I know what I'm doing is right. And it's just not fun. But the thing with, thing with pride and humility is it's a, it's a complete game changer because one of my favorite passages is that, that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And I don't know about you, but God, I, I don't want to be opposed by God. That word opposed in 1 Peter 5, 7 is actually a word that's describing going into battle. And I don't want to go into battle against God because God never loses. So you'll lose with pride. That's why Scripture says pride comes before the fall. And so identifying these things as being humble. Asking yourself, am I honoring God in every relationship in my life? Am I honoring God with my, in, in my workplace? Am I honoring God in my family? Am I going to be honoring God in what Scripture has instructed me to do as, as a loving husband or, or a submissive wife in, in understanding biblical submission? Am I, doing, am, I doing a, am I provoking my children to anger? Are they being discouraged or am I more encouraging? Am I showing correction or am I showing love as my priority? Man, in your workplaces, are you showing love? Are you, do you have the agenda of correction or do you have the agenda of love? Are we on God's agenda or your agenda of correction in what we see? I want to just challenge us just to pray just to, or just to close and, and ask God, 
Would you ask, ask yourself this question? Ask God this question right now. Just bow your heads with us.